Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, we got to start off the show right. Huge shout-outs. Big congrats. Salute to Jay Wright for picking up win number 600 last night against the Butler Bulldogs. Chris, I feel like time flew it. I want to say when we were in college, he had just picked up 400 or 500. Yeah. I think he picked up 400, and then I think our first season of this audio forum podcast, I think he picked up 500, and now he's at 600. And honestly, Eugene, as great as an accomplishment as that is, I had no idea he was at 600 wins. <laughs> no, one, wasn't for the, no one no, did, apparently. Yeah, the yeah. broadcast, we had some, some secret people, you know, leak it out, I'm sure, to the Fox Sports 1 broadcast team because – you had guys even like Colin Gillespie and some of the other players, they were like, we had no idea. It wasn't until like a, you know, a coach leaked the detail afterwards, but there was no celebration. No one had any hint or idea. Yeah. You know, give credit to Jay. He preaches being humble and all that. And he follows through with it. Yeah. It's good to see that the team kind of follows that motto. And, you know, it's good to have a, a guy, a leader who actually preaches something and follows it and follows up on it accordingly. And, you know, as great as an accomplishment as it is, it's like, you know, got bigger and better things to worry about. Uh, we'll celebrate later. We'll reflect on it later. And we are where we are and come out with a dub. And that's what you should be uh, focusing on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, huge 85 to 66 win in your home opener. Always want to start things off at the Pavilion with a win. 85-66, your final score. Just looking at Villanova's side, pretty balanced production all around. You had four different cats and double figures with Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Colin Gillespie leading the way with 18 points apiece. Justin Moore providing 13 points. Jermaine Samuels adding in a dozen. And you look at the bench, Cole Swider had a nice little flush at one point, added in a couple threes to finish with eight points. Eric Dixon, he looked pretty good. He looked like a man-child in his 15 minutes of action. And then even Brandon Slater looked pretty solid defensively when he was out there. Once again, you got to see the bench get a pretty good amount of run. Yeah, there was... Not really a weak link amongst his performance. JRE feasted all day. Mid-range, long-range, inside. The dude was having a field day. A couple of 18, like you mentioned, were five boards. The ball movement, particularly on the offense, was very impressive. There was one possession where Jermaine Samuels actually passed up an easy layup to kick it out to an open Kale Daniels for a three, which was eventually missed, and I was like, ah, why? But that was probably like the one instance where I was like, all right, maybe a little too – 
too pass happy, a little too unselfish there. But Jermaine Sanders looked great. You know, only three of seven from the field, but he was particularly aggressive. No threes this time. Uh, as we mentioned in the last game against Georgetown, he went an offer from beyond the arc. But he was particularly aggressive, got to the rim, drove to the rim, uh, even got to the line seven times because of it, hit six. He was flying all over the place. Justin Moore had a great early start, and he's contributing, again, rebounding all over the place. Colin Gillespie was hitting threes, uh, some particularly long-range ones, assisting, facilitating like he always does. I mean, even Caleb Daniels, like, with only eight points, like, still hit a couple of key threes. The one thing from him, though, I just I, I know we're really talking on the positives, but the one negative from him, he seems to be a little too aggressive in the dribble drives and kind he's of, too big. He goes away from too much. He's too and big. I, and I can't get mad at him. He just he just lowers his shoulder an inch, and the guys go flying. And it's not even an acting job. He's just so he's such a linebacker esque player that he just trucks these guys, and and it looks like an offensive foul. And most of the times, I guess you, it really is. So you can't get mad at the refs either, but it's like, man, he's just, you know, once he figures that out, he's, he'll be particularly fine. Eric Dixon, he looked great. I mean, he only took one shot, but defensively, I thought he looked pretty uh, pretty good. Cole Swider, like you said, had a dunk. Uh, that's like as rare as Haley's Comet, I guess. He had a couple of threes, and he looked particularly well shooting the ball off the wing. And then Brandon Slater looked good defensively and got in on the action at the very last moment, uh, hitting a three to pretty, pretty much end the game at the end there. So, yeah, I, I have, like, nothing negative to say offensively, really. Yeah, it was just a pretty much a nice balanced game. The only problem you can really pinpoint was at the beginning there, I don't know what was going on, but our guy, Jair Bolden, former Westtown guy, comes in <laughs> out, single-handedly outscoring the Cats to begin the game. He didn't really get to do much in the second half, so I credit Villanova for finally adjusting and clamping down on him. But he led the Bulldogs with 18 points. Aaron Thompson had 14 points, six assists before checking out with an injury. And then you had Chuck Harris chip in a dozen points for the Bulldogs. But all in all, you know, it was a close game in the beginning. Villanova in the second half definitely played a lot better. But once Thompson left in the closing minutes of the game with an injury, it just kind of fell apart for the Bulldogs. And then Villanova went on this nice run. Butler, in the meantime, didn't hit a single shot for the last four minutes of the game. So that'll help Villanova pull away. Chris, you know, honestly, I'm happy we were able to beat the Bulldogs. Was a little close in the beginning, especially when Butler was down six guys. Yes. But second half was great. Villanova adjusted. Couple lapses here and there. But all in all, you know, win number 600 for Jay. Can't complain. Got to celebrate. For sure. And I just want to talk about the, the defensive performance as a whole. Butler's performance kind of reminded me of a couple games. The first game being one that just happened the other day, Georgetown, where it felt like they couldn't miss, uh, especially in the first half. Like you said, Jair Bolden was hitting everything. Aaron Thompson was getting involved. Even their freshmen were getting involved. Bryce Enzi was eating inside, as he always does. And I'm just like, all right, I guess we're gonna. this is going to be a long one. And literally just said on Tuesday, oh, yeah, they'll come out slow, no big deal. And then when you got wind that they were down six guys because of whatever reason, I don't think it was ever disclosed, and we can speculate about that later but you, you heard about that and you're like all right there's no way butler comes out and wins this like there's no excuse and then they go out there and hit every shot and on the man you're like oh god here we go then the other game that i want it reminded me of it reminded me of the butler game i believe it was josh hart's senior year but i believe it was one of the last games at the old pavilion where butler hung around and villanova was up maybe like five seven eight and it was like all right villanova's got this in the bag no worries but it kind of stayed in that range and you're like oh my god like Butler's still in this technically, 
and then like four minutes came by, three minutes came by, and then Butler made a huge run, took the lead. And it was, I was kind of getting that vibe middle of the second half. And I'm like, oh no, like, are we keeping them around in this? Are we not going to be able to put them away? Are they really going to try and pull this thing off again? And they didn't because of Aaron Thompson's injury, which reminded me of a game, I believe it was our senior year of college when Ed, Edmund Sumner went down with a huge injury. Uh, I believe it was a head, I believe it was a concussion. And it was very brutal. It happened like in the first like minute or so in a Villanova Xavier game. And it sucked the life out of the building. It sucked the life out of, out of Xavier and Villanova romped them. And after that Aaron Thompson injury, which looked pretty bad on TV and he seemed in extreme pain. I hope he's okay. After that, like Butler just, you know, laid down and, and laid down their guard and pretty much gave up and Villanova took over. So Props to Villanova for clamping down when, and taking advantage of a pretty crappy situation for Butler. But after, you know, it's kind of like the Georgetown game. After allowing all those shots to go in, they figured it out and really no complaints. Yeah, slightly different circumstances, though. I mean, the Sumner injury, that was like, that, that was, wow. You, you really concerned if yeah. the guy was going to be, like, seriously okay? Like, were we looking at serious head damage or whatnot? Right. Um, and that was in the very beginning. This one was more towards the end. Right. And Just in the sense that, like, just in the sense that, like, it, it kind of, like, sapped the life out of the team. that. Oh, that yeah. No, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. But the other thing, too, was, you know, fortunately, this wasn't as big of a, a deficit or as big of a, you know, slow start for Villanova, unlike that Georgetown game. Right. Obviously, it didn't leak into throughout the first half. Like, Villanova was able to kind of correct itself, I would say, maybe what, around halfway point, maybe, and took off from there. So, yeah, it didn't get as bad, obviously, but it started out that way. <laughs> So, Chris, after the game, Jay writes just in the media, talking to everybody over Zoom, and all of a sudden he shares a story about Father Peter. Let's take a listen. Father Peter came down. He, I think he came down in the second half. They must have said something. He said they said something on TV. He's like, oh, I thought I better get down there, but you're 600 wins. So he was the only fan in the place. He lives on campus. I, I, I think he walked. I don't know. I don't know. He was bundled up. He was, he was bundled up. I can tell you. I saw him right when I came off the court. He might have walked. And it would be a long walk. Father Peter was like a lot of us. We had no idea going into the game until the, the secrets started coming out a little bit. But I, I find it kind of funny. I can just kind of picture him all comfy, warm, in his house on Dundale, out on West Campus. All of a sudden realizes it's about to be win number 600. You got like eight minutes left. Yeah, that's a pretty long walk. There he is, just bundling up and running away. <laughs> yeah that you know hey speaking of leadership that's a great leader right there you know everyone who's has a position of, of authority high higher ups they're all on each other's team supporting each other I, I love to see it and even to make it even better he's in the snow doing that like come on like that's that's top-notch quality right there to get across campus from west all the way to the pavilion. That's, that's, Shut that's, shuttles are not running. Shuttles yeah. are not running. <laughs> In the middle of a pandemic, that man that man deserves a lot of props. I would I would love to know if he sprinted or we can get a forty time on him. We'll see how, how quick he got there. But that was that's that's a great story right there. Yeah, Jay was talking about how he literally caught him as he walked off the court and there he was, all bundled up. Pretty good story. Pretty good story. Kind of funny. And then we touched on this before, Chris, but here's Colin Gillespie's point of view on, on Jay Wright and him reaching 600 and how he really kept it under wraps. No, I mean, I, I just found out from a few of our grad assistants and I said, like, I was confused because I thought somebody would have mentioned it. 
Um, and we would have we would have celebrated him a little bit in the locker room, but nobody said anything. That that just speaks to who Coach Wright is. He's a humble guy. He's hungry for more, um, and that's what kind of he preaches to us: always be humble and hungry, um, and always keep striving for more and to grow and learn. One thing when your hero or like someone you look up to preaches certain things, but when you know they're actually living it, that's some good news right there. That's some good news. Yeah, I mean, how many fake leaders do you see nowadays where they just say one thing and then they go out in that completely different way? To see, you know, even if it is a just a college basketball team, to see a man act the way he does in such a professional way, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see nowadays. And to see him actually live it out and preach it and enact it, it it's, it's great. And then one last bit. Here's Jay Wright on 600. I just am lucky to be the coach of Villanova. I, I look back at the history. I look at all, everybody that's been here as one. It's a great – I have a great job. You get great assistants want to work here. You get great support from your president, your athletic director. And, um, you know, we're doing, a, we're doing a pretty good job. But I, I'm fortunate enough to have this job. That's really what I think about. Chris, at the pace we're going, I think we hit, what, like 1,000 in 10 years? I guess that, that sounds pretty good. 1,000? You think we hit 1,000 in <laughs> – 10 years or 11 years? I hope so, Eugene. That would – even shorter, maybe, hopefully. Win out every game, you know. Undefeated, kind of, historic run. <laughs> kind of like how you, you, when you make uh, some 2K seasons, 2K franchises, you make sure you go 82-0. and I know there's not 82 games in college. But make sure you go undefeated each year, year in and year out, get all the top recruits. Therefore, yeah. you get there in no time, five years. Yeah, in a non-COVID year, 40 games – including the national championship. So 40 and 0, 40 and 0, 40 and 0, 40 and 0. That's 160 and 0 after 4 years. We fly we can fly to 1000. We can fly to 1000. <laughs> I put you at 760. So plus another <laughs> 4 years. You're at, you're almost there. You're almost there. You're at 9 or yeah, you're being around 900, I believe. So well, just, you know, a few more few more years. Hopefully we're Maybe we're still on the air talking about it, and we'll be able to uh, pull this pot up, and we'll we'll chop it, and we'll be like, yeah, it took only ten years. We're, we're predicting ten years or whatnot, but then you know, years twenty fifty five, Jay Wright's still searching for a thousand. So oh no, that's, no, still, no, that's how no, the way please, things go. Please, no, please, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Obviously, I tease, I tease, I tease. If you want to put an over under on it, what would you what would you set it at, Eugene? Probably. That's a good question. The big time gambler you are. Yeah, I mean. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So if you if you figure twenty five wins a year, which is that's that's pretty good. It's pretty right? good. That's pretty good. That would take sixteen years from this point out. So since Jay Wright came to Villanova, he has about four hundred eighty wins, and that was since two thousand one. However, obviously, the last five six years are very different than yes. maybe the first five six years at Villanova oh man uh that's that's tough I mean how, how old is Jay right now 58 great question 58 it's his birthday on Thanksgiving uh not Thanksgiving whoa what am I saying on Christmas Eve it's his birthday okay so he turns 50 he turns 59 or 58 uh 59 he'll turn 59, 59. so probably got another 15 years in him 16 yeah, yeah I was gonna say you know maybe 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 towards the end hopefully uh you know add 15 years I'd say over under 15 years 16 yeah yeah, I'll set it at 16. I'll take the under on that. I think we get there before. 
All right, Chris, the, it's time to cause... move to the Mac where we can definitely rack up 40 and 0. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, Jay's sitting at like 7.50. He's just like, all right, I'll go coach Maris for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> time to expedite the process. I'll be back in five years. <laughs> He's like, become, Maris becomes like the Wichita State of – of the Mac. They just run rampant through that conference for a few years, rack up the wins. Jay hits a thousand. Could be middle of the season. He's like, all right, I'm out. Fun, guys. <laughs> Good luck. Here's uh here's Ashley Howard. You can, can have him as a coach. <laughs> yeah, or or at that time Mike Nardi. Maybe it'll be his time Oh yeah, yes, that'll yeah. that'll be that. George Halkovich, yeah. <laughs> Henry Lowe even maybe possibly. Oh, I know he gave up the coaching route it looks like it looks like he he's now in the business world. Congrats once again to Jay Wright and for the Wildcats for winning their first game. Chris, as we know, the Virginia game is no longer happening. Villanova basketball release statement. The rumors are already there way in advance, and it seemed to be confirmed by every other news outlet. But for Villanova to come out and say, all right, it's definitely not happening. Sorry. That's oh, it's like, okay. Now that like 2% chance of hope I had is now officially zero. And so we go back to the drawing board. Let's hear from Jay Wright with how that's going. And let's see what he has to say. We spent, started from 11 o'clock last night, all day, and uh, me doing a little bit of it. You know, uh, our, our assistant athletic director, Ash Piori, and um, George Halkovich do it all. We, we've literally, and this was kind of weird about this year, we've been on the phone all from last night, all day. You would never do this on a regular season. You would never spend so much time in a day of a game on anything else but the game. But you have to, because... You got to make quick decisions. So we're we're working on another game. Nothing is nothing is definite. Um, we thought we had a couple games at the Garden. That's what we we're waiting for all day. Uh, they've fallen through, so we're trying to trying to get somebody to to play here if we can. We don't have anything definite yet. Chris, fielding calls since 11 p.m. I don't even know if there's like a, a situation that I can even equate that to. Like this is probably like the most. Like, you know, I'll call a friend and see if they want to play basketball or something. But that, you know, I'm, I'm giving up after 30 minutes if I can't rally the troops. Yeah, this is a pretty special case. I, I think this is as close as a uh, college basketball coach is going to get to being on Wall Street. And just, <laughs> you know, everything's moving. Thousand miles per hour. You got people cursing at you and like, oh, I can't get to New York in, in a day. I got three games coming up this week. Screw you. I'm done. And then go on to the next coach. You just go down the roll of decks. In all seriousness, although I'm pretty sure it's a stressful process. Oh, yeah. He, he mentioned how he has, like, assistant ADs helping out with this and that he – it sounds like they just take turns and they tap in, tap out when, when the time is right. I mean, I know we kind of – we're talking about it with, like, you, co- you cover Iona and they have, like, six different schedule changes already. Like, now you're, like, kind of seeing it a little bit on the inside now. There's the, the logistics that go behind this, and it's just, like, I feel – I feel bad for these people. They don't need this on top of everything else going on. I know. Yeah. I totally give all the props to anyone involved in sports during COVID times, just between the liability and also like, we just need to get through the next practice and game. It's tough. It's tough having to think day to day. It is tough, but it does provide some good talking points for media like ourselves and speculating who the heck is going to fill that spot. So Chris, I got the wisdom of the crowd on Twitter. View hoops comment section. Got a bunch of different ideas. Chris, uh, someone said Rutgers. How would you feel about that as a Jersey boy? No, 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 no. God, no. I don't want former Big East. You know, that, I guess that would be a great storyline, former Big East foe. But 
There was that one game in Rutgers they played, and they forever scarred me, and I never oh, want to play Rutgers. Shenanigans. There were shenanigans, shenanigans at the rack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was just one game there that was just complete shenanigans. I, I thought it was Quincy Doobie who went off in that game, but I don't think it's him because his he graduated in 06, and I think the game I'm thinking of was like 10-11 area. So, but yeah, after that game, I'm like, never, we're never playing Rutgers again. Although it would be cool to see Ron Harper Jr., for, uh, former Don Bosco prep uh, player uh, against Villanova, but that means he would just drop 30 and make me sad. So do not want to play Rutgers, but I don't think they're available anyway. I think they play this weekend. Yeah, they do. They do. What about Penn State? Penn State looked free. Uh, that wouldn't be a bad get either, but you know, it's not Virginia. <laughs> I no, wanna... no team's gonna be Virginia, unfortunately. Oh, I, I understand, but I give me, give me, gotta give me a ranked opponent. You gotta give me someone who's ranked or has some, you know, some potential to go make a deep run in the tournament. Well, Jay Wright mentioned previously how Gonzaga and Baylor were hitting them up pretty frequently, at least until they both got shut down or had to deal with their COVID stuff. That'd be interesting. That would have been great, but I think Gonzaga's booked. Andor has, yeah, like you said, has COVID. And Baylor, that would be a dream get, but who knows? Someone brought up Iona, you know, the Gonzaga of the East, or at least that's what, <laughs> that's what they're, they're trying to push. That's a narrative they're trying to push out here in New York. And I can tell everybody that that is not happening. No reunion with Rickles, Rick Pitino, Ricky <laughs> P. That's not happening yet. That's not happening. They do have a game. Yeah. They have a series at Ryder, so they're booked. Darn. I would have loved to have seen Rick Pitino again just to troll him. <laughs> But you know, you mean? Let's be honest. We were we were we were doing some sleuthing before. So I'm looking well, at some of these. You were more than teams. I was. I was just kind of like you know, like a monkey throwing things at a dartboard. <laughs> and you know, I looked at some opponents. I looked at North Carolina. I thought that'd be a great one. They're playing Kentucky. I thought about Duke, but Coach K doesn't want to play anybody anymore. So they're. I don't think they're a possibility. You know, it looked, Louisville would have been cool too. Former Big East, obviously. You know, Chris Mack over there. You know, that got connections. They're playing. They're booked. I think the one team that they're going to look and zone in on, Michigan. Currently 25th in the AP, 24th in coaches. So they are ranked, although albeit the bottom, but they are ranked. They are free as, as anything. They don't have a game till Christmas. I put them into the Google machine. It does not seem like they have any COVID issues. Okay. I don't know why they have such a long layoff, but they do. And I think that would be a, actually a good get. It would be obviously a rematch of the 2018 National Championship. Villanova would like to exact some revenge for ruining the opening of the Finn. I think it would be cool. And wherever they play that game, I don't know. Particularly don't care as long as you get it in. So, yeah, I, I, I think when it's all said and done, I think they bring Michigan in. Chris, if you're right, I will buy you a giant pizza. Oh, thank you, Eugene. I'm glad that I can potentially be right on something for once in my life I and I will be you rewarded know, with a pizza. I, I like what I'm hearing. I mean, it's, I just looked at the schedule. You see the big gap there. It's like the only one of the top 25 that makes sense. We also looked at Kansas at one point, and I know a couple of people yeah. brought that up. But if they were to play Nova, that would be – like if you thought Villanova playing in the 2K Classic or in Bubbleville was insane, it would literally be every other day – a top 25 opponent for Kansas if Villanova plays, you know, they squeeze them in this weekend. So I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Who do they have? They have like Texas Tech and then Texas Tech, uh, 
Yeah, Baylor, uh, West Virginia, it's just loaded. They're loaded. Yeah. And Texas, Longhorns oh, yeah. after two, so they're just completely loaded. Yeah, that would not be fun. And no. we were we were complaining about what two two games in two days or three games in three four days, three games in four, yeah, yeah, and they would be playing like legitimate teams in a very short span. Every, yeah, every other day basically. With travel in this, no, not a chance. I know Michigan State's also a possibility. People were talking about, but they play, they played Northwestern that Sunday, so they're out of the question. I know a lot of people wanted them too, so. I'm I'm sticking with Michigan. Eugene, do you have any shot in the dark opponent? Look, every uh, shot that I've tried hasn't worked. So I, you know, right now I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy Michigan. <laughs> but I will say, you will know it's bad. So when Iona was looking for games to reschedule, it literally went to the point where their assistant went on Twitter and was like, "Anybody want any non-con games? Let us know." HMU, and I'm just like, "All right, we haven't gotten that desperate yet." But if it <laughs> does get to that point, I would actually be concerned. Would you would, would you entertain the Big Five? I, I think there's some Big Five vacancies. Uh, Villanova, Temple at MSG. Let's do it. I mean, nothing could go wrong. So, so yeah, you have a big gap in the schedule. Got to make up a big game. Yeah, let's bring in Temple. Temple cares. Yeah, I mean, look, if if they want to fill that gap with like two Big Five games, like back to back, like I, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But like. Because you get the games in, obviously, but you got to fill a marquee matchup with a marquee matchup, I feel like. Yeah, it's tough. I feel like a lot of teams are going to try to duck us, case in point, Duke. They're ducking everybody, though. Well, yeah, they're, yeah and Kentucky is not – oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. They don't even belong in the uh, conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, K- Kentucky lost to Richmond, and they decided their season was over. So I don't even think they're in the receiving vote section. No, they're done. Yeah, that's, they're that's, crazy. that's crazy. And it's funny, too. Calipari called in the beginning of the year – I randomly saw a press conference for him where he, where he was just like so open to admitting yeah. that his team's gonna be bad this year but of course you know no one's gonna pay attention to that yeah 100 he was basically addressing the fan base and he's like if you're gonna get mad at these kids like don't like, get mad at me this is my fault and i'm like oh you, you know, know actually i do vaguely remember That's hearing nice. that yeah i think i saw that clip floating around on twitter and i think everyone was just like clowning calipari but i guess he had a point this whole time yeah, I think he – yeah, it's, it's amazing. When you're with the team more than the outsiders, you actually know what's going on. So. Oh, wow. It works like that. I had no idea. I thought you could just, like, talking to a microphone, everything just goes into fruition. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would make you believe that. <laughs> I was going to say, it's funny, though, because at least over the past few years, we always kind of thought, you know, Coach K was, like, great and all, like, you know, such a clean guy and – yeah, he really like tries to. Much. Yeah, he like tries to to portray that image. Yeah, he's like the the professor. The, yeah, this right. And you thought Calipari was this like slimy, like under the <laughs> table guy yeah. who's like paying everyone with Rolls Royces, and you know it's completely flipped on its head. I feel like, <laughs> like not that like they're you know bad coaches or you know doing a bunch of wrong things. I'm not accusing them of that. Not none whatsoever but i feel like calipari like acknowledges what college basketball is and yeah. you know, he understands what kentucky is it's a pro factory meanwhile you know coach k kind of tries to give off the vibe where it's like oh yeah you know we're still the duke of old and whatnot and <laughs> but then here he is like saying like i think we should shut everything down because we lost a couple games and like that's like come on. It, come on it's funny because uh like you said chris like i remember the first time i i got to speak to calipari in person and he was just like 
I can't wait for class to be over so school's out of the way and then we can just focus on basketball. And I'm just sitting there thinking <laughs> if any other coach is if Jay Wright said that, everyone would look at him like he's crazy. But like you said, Chris, he's just a straight shooter. He he acknowledges college basketball for what it is, or at least what Kentucky. his program's trying to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What his program's trying to be, and he's not going to dodge. You know, he's not going to not going to play games. He, even you look at him in all his other interviews, he's very consistent. He's like, "Let me help you get to the NBA fast." <laughs> it's like, "Here's my get rich quick scheme. You're either with me or against me, and I'll try my best." Right. And then maybe we'll get a couple farm fours out of it. You know, it is what it is. And I, and like you said, I appreciate the straight shooters. It's, it's great. Yeah. Cause it is one thing where it's, yeah, I fully embrace this while you have coach K or like other coaches out there who are just, we would never do that at our fine Institute, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Chris, how, when do you think we'll get an answer later today, Friday? Like how soon do you think that a new opponent will be scheduled? I would hope today because Friday would be pretty hectic, I feel like. Because then if you're, you've are you got to rush in a team for Saturday or maybe you play them Sunday, I don't know. Maybe you just push the game back to Sunday if you make a decision on Friday. So I, I, I expect next 24 hours. I think that. we're probably going to be five hours late. Hey, you know, whatever. Whatever works. Just get the game in. I know, right? Just anybody. Anybody exciting. So, Chris, before we hop onto the questions, I just want to discuss one quick thing. We didn't get to see it happen last night because Butler did have a grad transfer or not a grad transfer, but a transfer in Bo Hodges came in from East Tennessee State who we thought was going to play but then ended up being a late scratch or we don't know what the deal is on the Butler sideline. But he was one of many college basketball athletes and players out there who was affected by the NCAA's ruling where they voted to allow immediate eligibility for all transfers during the 2021 season. Chris, look, it's a little, it's a little too late, but I will credit the NCAA for doing something that I didn't think that they were going to do. Baby steps, baby steps. Like they were handing out the waivers, like it was free candy. So I would have liked, you know, at, this, at that point, you might as well just go the extra step and say all transfers <laughs> can play right away because this is right. weird times, COVID times. But, hey, they did it. I'm happy for them. Yeah, at least it's done. Yeah, like you said, like you wish this was done months ago, but at least they did it. I mean, it shows progress. At least they're loosening up a little bit. And it should be a thing going forward, but it never will be. Still don't yeah. get that rule. Yeah, I guess they're just scared that it's going to become NCAA free agency market, you know, right at midnight. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of tampering going on, this and that. I guess they just don't <laughs> want to deal with that. But I don't know. It probably happens to some degree already. Shout out to the NCAA. As much as we criticize them for their lack of common sense at times or many times, when they show, you know, when they do a smart move, they must be rewarded. Chris, last time we didn't have a mailbag. This time we do. It's a little crowded. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First question from John Palmay. He, he also weighed in, by the way, on the who should Villanova play next debate. He said Rutgers would be his vote or maybe Penn State. But his question is, do you think COVID-19 has killed the Big Five permanently? I was thinking that the other teams were starting to get fed up of being Villanova's whipping boys already. Chris, <laughs> did COVID-19 kill the Big Five? Is the Big Five afraid of being the punching bag? Are they tired of being the punching bag? I, I don't think the Big Five's dead. No, no. no. 
I think if anything, it'll probably re-energize once it does reopen, just because it'll be like, this is the first day back, or like, this is the first Big Five game right. back. Right, and they can do that tournament, like a tournament-style thing that they used to do. Didn't they kind of have something like that, where they all like played each other within like a day or something? Oh, that, oh the, yeah, with the uh, doubleheaders or yeah. things like that, yeah. I mean, honestly, if if we go without the Big Five this year, I would be all for it next year. I, I would be fine with that. I don't think it's dead permanently. I think Jay would actually not want to disband it and stop playing everyone because I actually keep legitimately believes in the tradition and whatnot. And that's great. That's awesome. Like, you know, he's a Philly guy. That's what he grew up on. That's how it should be. You do want to see, you know, maybe one of these programs would take a step <laughs> up and be like, hey, like, maybe we're okay. Uh, like, shouting out St. Joe's and Temple because I feel like they have the best shot at that right now. But, you know, Sal's been in the tournament a few times in the past few years. Won a game or two, I believe. Sweet 16 in 2013. Yeah. So that would uh, be nice if one of these teams could get good again. But I don't, I don't think it's dead. And to John's point, uh, Rutgers or Penn State. Rutgers, as good matchup as it would be, I think they're both, like we said, and then Penn State, eh, I'd be all right with it. But Yeah, I don't think COVID-19 is going to kill the Big Five. I just don't see the Big Five dying. Even during those years where it wasn't really a Big Five anymore, like it wasn't a round robin, like if that didn't kill the Big Five, I don't think COVID-19 will. Right. right. They'll, they'll, it they'll come back. And yeah. I feel like once everything reopens, whew, Sports games, they're going to be packed for any live event, concert, sports games, whatever have you. You know, everyone's saving up all their money. No one's going out anywhere. And I think that no one's going to take anything for granted once everything reopens. So they're, they're going to be packed for a while, which is great. It makes only adds to the environment. Yeah, 100%. Like, how many times would you be asked, like, oh, you want to go to this concert? Or you want to go to this game? It's like, ah, oh, no, nah, I don't really want to do anything tonight. I just want to chill and it's like you know everyone deserves a nice night yeah. just to themselves but i think yeah, a lot more been people chilling be like, for the last six months it's, <laughs> it, yeah it's time to go outside get some vitamin let's d let's let's go watch temple st joe's i'm all for it next question is from nick dirazio will the recent struggles of duke have any impact on the trevor keels decision i hope so yeah i mean anyone would kind of see what's going on there and it's it's not like duke's like a failing program by any stretch of the imagination but you know maybe kind of sees that you know coach k isn't as devoted to this year it's like oh maybe i want to go to a program that you know is trying to keep up a good culture and whatnot and hopefully uh hopefully it does sway his decision It'd be nice yeah i will say if there's one thing about this whole trevor keel situation i really like how he's been taking his time i feel like most people by now if they really were all about the one and done and whatnot they would have Seeing like, ooh, look at this nice shiny thing, and then go for it right away. Meanwhile, you have this guy who's taking his time, doing his homework, not rushing things during a period where it feels like everybody's rushing commitments due to COVID and not being able to visit campuses and the scholarships going away. So I feel like with all that said, everything helps. Every little bit helps for Villanova landing Trevor Keels. Then this one is from a number of different people. We got Jay. We got Mike Dacko. Oh, and Anjo Ryachowski, they want to know what's going on with Brian Antoine. Jay Wright did address the media earlier this week, and unfortunately, it is not looking too good. He said that him and Demir Kazi-Browntree are still a long ways away, which I don't know what that means. Are we just, you know, delaying it more? Are they going to come back? 
But I'm not feeling too optimistic anymore, guys. Unfortunately, no good news to report. But long ways away, after originally two weeks, not not looking too hot. But Joe Rachowski did have this other question, and he wanted to know, how does the team get better offensively with shooting? They seem to be off this year on shooting. Even with free throws, they've been missing more. Ooh. Mm. Chris, what are your thoughts on their shooting? Uh, it does seem to be a little bit down this year. I'll give you that. I think it, it's not a big culprit, but I have been noticing a lot more longer mid-range shots, like I kind of talked about with Colin, with step inside three-point line and shoot. And those haven't exactly those aren't exactly the most efficient ones. But again, against Butler, they shot 10 of 23 from deep, which you'll take pretty much every day of the week. That was pretty good. I think it'll eventually correct itself. I don't think they're this bad of a three-point shooting team as they have been. But I, I think the – I really haven't been that upset with their their shooting, honestly. And it really hasn't been that bad outside of Virginia Tech and maybe Boston College for a little bit. So I'm perfectly okay with that. But to his free-throw shooting point, I, I have actually kind of mentioned – I've mentioned that a, a few times in the past few episodes. It just seems like they're missing – they are missing more, at least more one-and-ones. And the one-and-ones obviously come in late in games when you want to close out an opponent and not give them any chance of coming back. And that's what sunk them against Virginia Tech, almost sunk them against Boston College, and almost sunk them against Texas. And Jay Wright's teams have always been good free-throw shooting teams. You look back starting with like the 405 team to now. Like you always look at the – you look at a box score and you're like, oh, wow, this team's good at shooting free-throws. But, you know, some of those earlier teams, you always kind of got the feeling. It was like, oh, wow, they always seem to miss a big one-and-one, and and they would keep teams along, and they would eventually lose because of it. Or they would miss a one-and-one and and, and lose the game flat out because of that because they didn't make their free throws and whatnot, uh, the 9 tournament run notwithstanding. So, like, but then when we got to college, I think the teams just got so good. It didn't – the free throw shooting was just pretty good. It was always top-notch. Like, the talent was so good, it didn't really matter – and I remember in that 16 run, like, especially the Kansas game, the UNC game, I was just waiting for them to miss a free throw, waiting. And they never did. They never missed the big one. And I was just like, wow, like, just, you know, it's, it shows that this team has come a long way. And 17, 18, they were great. 18, 19, I think they were all right. And then last year, they were fine, too. But this year, it just seems they're missing a lot more one-on-ones, which I think is the reason why. But they are getting to the line a lot more than their opponents so far throughout the season. And I think that's encouraging. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Just because the missing the front end of the one-on-ones, are, it's just so deflating, especially as we saw in that Virginia Tech game. It's just so, so, so soul-crushing. Or even at the Texas game where I forgot if it was Jermaine Samuels or Colin Gillespie, one of them missed a one-on-one down the stretch. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it was like deep breath. But then later on, Colin Gillespie closes it out. Saints free throws, no problem. Breathe easy. But as for the shooting in general, I, I think pretty much the shooting is on par with what we've seen in recent years. Just looking back compared to last year, right now Villanova is shooting at a higher percentage from the three-point line compared to last year. Offensively, according to Ken Palm, their adjusted efficiency is number three in the country right now. Last year they finished at 15. And as we speak on this fine Thursday, their effective field goal percentage is higher than last year by a few points. So, all in all, I think it's fine. The free throws has definitely been a little bit more crushing. But, yeah, Chris, as you mentioned, outside of Boston College, outside of Virginia Tech, been pretty – oh, and the first half of Georgetown. Been pretty <laughs> pleased with the shooting. It, it hasn't yeah. been too bad. It has, I don't think it's really dropped off, and the numbers don't seem to ju- suggest that it has. Right, yeah, I was going to say. I was, I was like, oh, wait, did, have they been shooting that bad? 
And it's you look back and it's like, eh, no, nah, I might feel that way. Well, like, Bubble Phil felt like an eternity. Everybody <laughs> felt like an eternity. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, they've been fine on that end so far. I mean, a lot of ball game left. And also to your free throw point, like it really hasn't been there hasn't been that many games yet. So maybe it'll start to correct itself because like the the suspects missing the free throws. Like it, some of the big ones is Colin. And, like, he's not a bad free throw shooter. He's pretty good at that. So, I think it'll all correct itself eventually. We'll just have to wait and see. In the meantime, Jerry Quinn has a couple of questions for us. First one, will Villanova find a replacement for Virginia? They're trying. I'm hoping. But it looks like they'll be hard at work around the clock until they do. No sleep until they arrive at MSG or wherever that game's going to be. Second question from Jerry Quinn. Are you happy with Brandon Slater's development so far this season? I'd say, yeah. I mean, he had that... Rimrock and posterizer against Georgetown, which any highlight play against Georgetown is a positive. And we're seeing him contribute off the bench, which is which is great. Yeah, ever since Jay said he was going to start using the bench more, Brandon Slater has significantly stepped up his game. And he's contributing a lot more than I thought he would at this point, uh, just because I was just really down on him as a prospect. But right now, I, I'm loving it. And I hope he gets involved more, and I hope he, he continues this development path because it would be great. It, just to add another piece off the bench and give you some valuable minutes, especially on the defensive end. And Jerry Quinn's last question, how much time are you both taking off over the next two weeks from work? Jerry, once it's Monday, oh my God. <laughs> Outside of the pod. Outside of the pod. But once it's Monday, I'll see everybody at, at work until 2021. Outside of one Iona game that I have to cover on December 23rd, I think. Yeah. And of course, watching Nova. But other than that, I'll see everyone else in 2021. Good for you. So a nice 14-day break for you. That's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, be in, I'll be in the office until, until Wednesday, the 23rd. But then after that, see you in 21, 2021, everybody. And the last but not least question comes from Brendan Riley. This is a great one. Game's tied. 4.7 seconds left. Championship on the line. Which of you hoops writer takes the shot? Chris, who, who are you giving the ball to? That's tough. It's tough. Uh, you know what? I think I have an answer, though. I think I'm going Tyler Ricky Tynes, and then when he misses the <laughs> shot, he'll, he'll blame the VU Hoops comment section. <laughs> so. And then and then when he does make it, he'll act like he's a god. <laughs> yeah, it was all him. No, it, was all, it was all Tyler Ricky Tynes. He brought the ball in himself, dribbled it up himself, set his own screen. And Willed then, it in. Will did in. Clear. Right, throwback, throwback answer. If you had to go current, ter- current team, who would you go with? Uh, Catherine Ryan. Catherine Ryan. Mm-hmm. I'm going Mike J. The dude's six foot five. Towers over everybody else I know. <laughs> Mountain of a man. Yeah. Comes through in the clutch also, especially when I need him to do a game thread. Shout out to Mike J. Eugene, I would go you, but your your shoulder injury has me a uh, sec. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say you, you see me you see me hoop at St. Mary's. It was pretty clean until I had the labrum surgery. Now I can't even uh no, I don't even <laughs> I don't even want to embarrass myself. Sometimes I, I get so embarrassed when I shoot the ball now. It's like so bad. No, you're you're still good. You're still good. Inside, post moves are top notch. Well yeah, he, you know, I had to adjust, had to adjust. No more jumper. No more jumper, had to adjust. Gotta learn on the fly. And that's see, you're coachable, that means, you know. As long as you have attitude, anything's possible. That's what I was told. Exactly, Eugene. I do like this question, though. This is like that one time we were asked, who would be your starting five of VU Hoops writers? Like, that was, that was another great question. 
This is. Oh, no. uh, I want to know who Brandon would go with. Who's who's he giving the yeah, ball to? Yeah, I would like Ryan to know. Zachman, if we're going throwback, <laughs> I'll give Ryan Zachman. Throw- if we're going throwback. <laughs> what about Chris Lane? I feel like Chris Lane's getting a snub here. Oh yeah, Chris Lane. Yeah, the dude was a D one athlete. Yeah, what am I doing? Yeah, Chris Lane. He's also pretty tall. <laughs> we also had one writer. He was before my time, but I played with him one time at Jake Nevin, and this guy was absolutely lights out. Jeremy Menninger. I don't even know if anyone remembers him, but he was around for you hoops like 2013 to 15. He was like a year older than us, Chris. But that guy was was like Doug McDermott. Like that guy was clean. That guy was <laughs> lethal. That guy was lethal. And then he started showing off uh, shooting threes with his eyes closed, and he was making them every time. And I was like, what, what is this? <laughs> No, I don't remember him at all. Yeah, he was I, like, I want to say 2014-15, yeah. Well, hopefully he listens and he knows that you would that I still remember when he lit everybody up at Jake Nevin. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's Is it one of those performances, kind of like the Corey Fisher 100-point game, where you, you just it just lives on in lore forever, but yeah, no one he, was there to see it? He yeah he literally yeah it was like a five on five game and he was like yeah you know I used to take free throws with my eyes closed and I could make twenty five in a row and then the next three he took was with his eyes closed maybe he peaked a little bit maybe it was one of those where he was just pulling my leg. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Lane that's a that's a pretty good candidate yeah Chris I can't believe I wow how could I forget him how could you one athlete I mean I think he's the only oh well we've had a couple other D one athletes too track though what are you saying track people can't hit a basketball job well no that's the thing like you know some people. I haven't dribbled a basketball, but we do have one track athlete, Taryn Ashby, new writer, did some college football, but she's now joining us via hoops. But she told me she used to play basketball, so I, I'd probably go with her. We haven't seen her right yet, but so I don't know if she counts, but in a couple of weeks, you'll see her debut. And there's so many options. I, I, I feel confident giving the ball to anybody, honestly, at this point. You've convinced me, Eugene. I, I feel confident in the entire view hoops writing staff. We got a lot of new faces. Honestly, we, we need to, like, test this out. We just need to have, like, a game of knockout one day when there's all this COVID stuff clears and just see who's got a shot who doesn't. That'd be great. We'll live stream it. <laughs> <laughs> the first see, ever Gene, view. Gene's bum shoulder in action. First time. Public <laughs> public machine. I'll bring the thunder sticks. I'll just be the guy sitting in a chair underneath the hoop. <laughs> adding adding some artificial crowd noise. <laughs> while simultaneously being louder than the wine and cheese crowd. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. You can do so at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Megaphone, Stitcher, Podbean. Got many, many options. Check back, check off it at the site. We're just chugging away content. Hopefully, we'll have an answer for who's replacing Virginia soon. So keep an eye out on the site for that. Also, please follow VU Hoops on social media. You can do so at VU Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Like our page on Facebook. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. I got nothing to plug. Stay safe, everybody. Nova Nation, have a great Thursday. Enjoy the snow day. Catch you back on Tuesday. Hopefully, we'll have a game to talk about. If not, I guess we're just going to preview Marquette next time. So, enjoy it. Enjoy the weekend. Catch you back later.